Hi, I'm Ana Luisa, and I beat the open path by cleaning the water using just the sun. Joining us today is Ana Luisa Becerra Santos, the CEO of Sustainable Development and Water for All, a Brazilian organization bringing water and sanitation to people who lack access. And in case you didn't realize, a lot of people around the world lack access, including up to half of all of Brazil who doesn't have access to proper sanitation. Water and sanitation have the power to reduce the number of deaths from waterborne diseases by as much as 65%, and Anna and her startup have already benefited more than 15,000 people in 15 Brazilian states. Anna founded her startup in 2015 at the age of 17, and in 2019 she won the UN Champions of the Earth Award. She was also the youngest Brazilian graduate in leadership for new enterprises from MIT at the age of 18, so she's a Pretty special individual. So let's hear from this remarkable woman, Ana Luisa Becerra Santos. Well, welcome to the show, Ana. It is a pleasure to have you here, and we've got to let all of the audience know that there might be some background noise in today's recording because at this moment, right now, Brazil is playing in the World Cup. So there's either going to be happy noise behind you or very sad noise behind you, depending on what <laughs> happens in the next hour, right? Yes, yes. I'm in Salvador, Bahia, Brazil, one of the um, cities with uh, gorgeous beaches. And I think that uh, today will be a lucky day. We are hoping that Brazil will win the, uh, the match in the World Cup. Well, I like your chances, and I don't understand at all why you would choose to be here with me instead of watching that game, <laughs> but I'm grateful for it. <laughs> so welcome. And your story is fascinating, to say the least. Uh, you did more before you were 17, year old, 17 years old than I've done in my entire life so far. So um, you have done incredible things. Would you mind sharing some of the projects that you've been involved with and some of the work that you've been doing? Yes. Um, so since I was a, a child, my dream was to become a scientist and do something to change the world. And when I was 15 years old, a lot of things um, uh, happened and made me realize that uh, I wanted to be scientist and develop something to make water, uh, clean water, a uh, reality for millions of families starting in Brazil, but uh, eventually going worldwide. And that's uh, when I created my first technology called Aqualus, that uh, cleans the water using just the sun radiation, the sun energy. It's a technology that right now we implement in Brazil in, in more than uh, 4,000 people uses use it. And uh, after I created Aqualuz, of course, it wasn't that easy. Uh, it was a lot of years before we finally could uh, have the technology in the market and one thing that made this come true was when I was 17 years old and decided to start a startup, be the founder of uh, Sustainable Development and Water for All, with the goal to put Aqualus on the market. But uh, after understanding more about the water reality, the sanitation reality in Brazil and in the rest of the world, I realized that uh, we needed to develop more technologies and to invest uh, more time to understand how big and how important this problem is and how it impacts in the health, in the education, in the, the economy of the places that lack this kind of, uh, uh, I would say, gold, because water is the real gold. Water is the real gold. But what, what is the issue? Sanitation, water, two things that aren't important to anybody. Um, I've got great sanitation, great water, problem solved. I have nothing to worry about. So th there's no issue here, right? Everything is fine. Yeah. So I'm also one of the lucky uh, as you, Ross, uh, because we don't have any kind of problem uh, with water and sanitation. But uh, not far from, not that far from me. There, there are millions of people here in Brazil um, that doesn't have uh, access to tap water uh, that sometimes needs to walk miles until they find a 
a water source that is contaminated. And uh, when they deliver this water to their kids, mainly or for themselves, they become sick. The, they get what we call the water-related disease. And with this, there is a lot of more consequences that uh, impact in the rest of the life of these people. So um, this is uh, a, a complex problem, I would say. Uh, there is a lot of factors that uh, makes this happen and continue to happen right now when um, some of this family already have a cell phone, already have Wi-Fi in their house, but they don't have access to water or even a toilet in their homes. Okay, so it affects some people. But most people your age, their biggest concern right now is which video game to buy. So what made you decide that you were going to tackle something as truly massive as this problem for yourself? I guess uh, I always like to, to play to be scientists. I just uh, realized my dream uh, sooner than I imagined, I would say. Uh, because uh, I, I also like to play video games. I also like to... <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I practice ju Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I have uh, also kind nice. of a normal life, I would say. But uh, my passion always was scientist, and uh, I'm really happy to have the opportunity to start um, to follow my dream as soon as possible with 15 years old. Right now I'm with 25, so it has been almost 10 years that I'm following, following my passion. And I, I guess I'll be doing this for the rest of my life. That's so cool. But when you wanted to be a scientist, what you could have done is you could have tried to make cigarettes more addictive. That's a role for scientists, too. So why didn't you choose to do that with science? Well, uh, for me, it was clear that I needed to do something good for the planet. And uh, at the beginning, I thought that I would uh, do something like uh, discover the cure for cancer or some impossible disease. But uh, when everything um, about water uh, uh, started to get into my life, I, I saw that that was my, my real dream. That was, that, that, that was the, the thing that I need to do. So at the age of 15, you had this profound realization. What did you then do to start on tackling what also seems like an impossible problem? Yeah, well, uh, I didn't have much resources, but I, I did have access to Internet. So I used this in my favor to try to find something as simple as possible that I could do at my house with uh, the help of my father. And uh, I found uh, a methodology uh, that uses the sun to clean the water in uh, usually plastic bottles. So I, I try to understand as much as possible how this technology, this, this methodology worked and how I could improve it to implement in Brazil, considering the Brazilian culture also. So um, the first unit of Aqualus came in 2013, uh, when I was 15. And uh, it, it wasn't uh, as good as it is right now, but it was what I could do using the things that I have uh, in my house and with the help of my father. So uh, for me, it was a really good re realization. And uh, every time that I could uh, realize that, well, I could improve the technology by doing this, and then I I did this improvement, and right now we are already in the uh, in the version number fourteen of Aqualus. So has been a, a lot of improvements, and we are still improving the technology. That's incredible. So, how did you test it in those early days? Did you just take people off the street and hand them water, no. <laughs> and when they stopped getting sick, you knew that it was finally there? Or no, uh, this was one of the biggest challenges. As I lived in a city where the problem wasn't uh, very, uh, it wasn't the same problem that I wanted to to solve. So, um, the access to the communities that really have the situation was really hard for me. Uh, it took me 
I guess, four years until I could really go there and test the technology on the field. And about the water test, uh, laboratory test, it was also as hard as uh, have access to the community because uh, every university I tried to approach, they deny helping me back then. And even when I, I got into university, uh, still the doors were closed for me to test the, the technology. So uh, maybe if I was studying in the U.S., I, I had a, a faster um, uh, achievement uh, talking about the technologies going to the market. But here in Brazil, it's really hard to, to have uh, support uh, in those sectors. I mean, you might be right, but you might be giving the U.S. too much credit. We're kind of <laughs> aggressively ignorant over here sometimes, as you may have witnessed. So <laughs> I don't know. You've done a lot in a very short amount of time. So maybe you, you're just fine. So tell everybody who's listening or watching how this technology actually works. How many gallons of water can it filter? What does it actually look like? Okay, so uh, you can imagine something like uh, 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 a TV. Well, let's say not TV size of, uh, I don't know how to, to say this in, in the English version of uh, sizes. And also, I don't have the number in gallons. I just have in liters. It's 10 liters. That's capacity. fine. Yes, we can learn. <laughs> yeah, so it's, uh, it's not uh, too big. It's about, uh, also in centimeters, it's about uh, 54 centimeters and uh, it has a very short uh, height because uh, the secret is you need to expose as maximum as possible the water to the sun radiation so you need to to have a really flat uh, um, amount of water so this water will receive as many radiation from the sun as possible then the cover is made of glass so it will uh, make the access to the sun in the the water to the sun uh, easier. And uh, what we use for the sun is the UV light. So the UV light has has this uh, potential to kill the microorganisms uh, by doing some cellular damage or uh, the DNA. They will break the stuff around that is the same also the same principle that give us the skin cancer is the same thing that we Fun. use yeah <laughs> that's why we need to use sunscreen but the microorganism doesn't have a sunscreen so they will be dead when they are exposed to the sun and this make the water safe to drink in the microbiological way uh, so it's a methodology applied just to treat the water um, in the microbiological way. It's not every kind of water that we can treat with this technology. Um, and we apply that in places where we have a higher um, sun exposition. So here in Brazil, we have a very hot climate in most part of the country. And this helps us a lot to have a, um, a high a, a eff efficiency um uh, you know, the technology will work uh, more in, in, in the most part of the year. Um, and uh, also something I forgot to is, say is that uh, it takes some hours. It's not uh, uh, some minutes to treat the water. You need to, take, to make the water mm, to live there in exposition to the sun during some hours. And we have a sensor that changes color. And then the user can understand that this water is ready to be taken off and drink because we don't change anything about the water, how the water looks like. It uh, Usually it's already transparent and it continues to be transparent. So you can't tell that the, the, uh, the treatment is over by the way the water looks because it still will look the same. Well, speaking of things that take hours, we haven't heard any noise in the background. So that means it's a very good game, a very tense game, or something is going seriously wrong. We're going to keep an ear on this yeah. for the rest of the hour. Ugh, I'm getting nervous just thinking about it, um, although I like Brazil's chances. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. <laughs> I think the odds are pretty good. But uh, so yes. do I fill this 
TV-like device, I fill it with water and then screw on a cap and then set this whole thing in the sun, or does water pass through it? And how much water fits in it at a time? Ten uh, liters per cycle, but uh, okay, I, I don't know how many gallons would be. No, that's fine. We'll figure it out. It's probably like a thousand <laughs> gallons or two hundred and fifty million gallons. It's somewhere in that ballpark. <laughs> no, but... no, not not that much. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but is it like a water bottle? I just fill it up and then cap and then put it in the sun. Is that how it works? Yes, yes. Uh, if you have a, actually, it would work if you have a pet bottle. You can fill with water and put in the exposition to the sun. But of course, uh, this has the, uh, some problems because the, the pet bottles, it will liberate some chemicals, compounds in the water and will contaminate it with all the things. Yeah, those microplastics, all of those yummy things that we love to eat and drink. Yeah. Okay, so there's the idea then that every household would have one of these, would have more than one of these inside? One. One per household. One. Usually okay. one technology can... Uh, uh, it's enough for a family of uh, at maximum five people, five people. Okay, and how many hours are we talking about? To uh, uh, it, the average is three hours, but can take three two hours. hours, can take four hours, five hours. Really depends on the uh, how hot is the day. Okay, great. Hotter days, shorter time. Yes. And the sensor can somehow detect that. Yeah, it, it's an indirect sensor. It, uh, it's not very accurate because we try to make the technology as cheap as possible. So it doesn't use any kind of uh, electric sensor. It's a chemical sensor. So, um, yeah, it, it detects uh, on average if the water is ready or not. So, okay, I can do a couple of these maybe per day. I could maybe have 20, 30 liters of water if I'm on it yes. all day. Yes, usually the average is one or two cycle per day, but uh, uh, as each family has one, usually one is really enough for them. Well, that's so awesome. So you've mentioned thousands of families, and I've seen uh, that your technology has generally impacted at least 15,000 people or families so far. Um, how has the response been from these people to your device? Well, we see every kind of response, but uh, what we like most is family with kids because they see the true power of having access to clean water. They see how the kids respond better, even talking about education, how they feel more, uh, I would say, happy <laughs> at the day and to go to school. They have more energy because they become less uh, sick of the water. So... Many of the families are very grateful for us to, to be there and give them this technology because uh, right now we work focused on vulnerable uh, families, so people that uh, wouldn't have any kind of other option to treat the water. And um, then they have Aqualus and everything changes. So it's really amazing to, to see um, how we can ha help this, those people. So were you surprised the first time that you changed somebody's life? Because I know that 4,000 doesn't seem like a lot of families, especially for somebody like me. I, I impact at least tens of people with my show. Uh, there are at least four people out there that their life has gotten a lot better from my show. So 4,000 people, how does that feel for you? Well, for me, uh, as since the beginning, I... Always, uh, my goal was to make the water access to everyone in the world, and no one else would have to suffer with uh, without safe water. Uh, this seems uh, a small number, but uh, when we meet those people, when we see those faces, we meet the stories, and we create the connections with them, it seems a lot of people. Yeah, I have no doubt. No, I'm obviously. Joking there. Uh, it's incredible, of course, the impact that you've been able to make. And the Aqualuse is just one product. You've developed other things. What are some of the things that you've developed since then? Yeah, so since uh, we create this uh, device, Aqualuse, and started go to the field to know the people and understand better their sanitation problems, 
we understand that we need more technology to solve different problems related to water and sanitation. So we start to create those technology um, and launch in the market uh, once we have uh, the opportunity. Uh, we have uh, two lines of products. One is the Aqua, that we have Aqualus, uh, and the other is Sanu, uh, like Aqua for water and Sanu for sanitation. And um, Aqualus is one. We have Aqua Salina, that is a solar desalinator. So Aqualus is just for fresh water, and Aqua Salina is for water with uh, more kind of chemicals or too much salty or other kind of contaminations. And we have Aquabar. There is a very particular technology talking about Brazilian culture. We have uh, clay filters, very common here, uh, but they have a limitation technically speaking of uh, the kind of water that can treat. So we are changing the, uh, the methodology of treating the water and create a new kind of clay filter. So it's called aqua barro because barro is clay in Portuguese. Uh, and in the yes. Sano line, we have uh, three more technologies. One is Sano Seco. There is a dry bathroom. So the people would have the opportunity to have toilets in their houses without worrying about the water source. So they wouldn't need water at all to use the bathroom uh, and, and uh, usually we implement this technology with uh, a sunlight plant there is a technology that cleans the water from from the house the gray water and the urine from sano seco using just plants so it's very sustainable what? also <laughs> and the last is uh, sano fossa there is a technology for people that already have a bathroom with a water source, so they need something a little bit more complex to treat the the sewage from the house. And but it also uses plants and some microorganisms. Some plants. I mean, that's about the coolest thing I've ever heard. Is there anybody out there who has all of this stuff in one house? <laughs> no, not yet. But uh, it's one of our goals to have a kind of uh, a place where we can have all, all the technology. And uh, once we we have people go visiting, they can meet everything working on the field. That's so amazing. So talk to me about these plants. How is What are the plants doing? How does that work? Well, it's uh, as simple as it, it seems. For example, um, in some places we we plant, the plants are bananas. So the bananas is a specific kind of plant that requires a lot of uh, amount of water. And as the this kind of uh, contamination, it's not... Uh, very contaminated, I would say. It's not a real sewage with a lot of kind of uh, organic compound. It's easier for the banana to fight, filtrate the water and the organic compounds that uh, remains is, is still can be in the soil without any kind of problem. And who is uh, using this plant can also um, eat the banana without any kind of problem. Wow, that sounds too good to be true. How is that yeah. possible? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm not the one who invented this methodology. Uh, anyone can search on the internet, can search in scientific papers, because uh, there is a lot of stu studies proving that this methodology uh, uh, works, and it's amazing, fantastic. Uh, we just don't know how people don't, don't know about it, and how people are not implementing everywhere this kind of uh, methodology. I mean, that you've said it yourself. That's exactly it. We're trying to get to the bottom of these things that everybody should know. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> should know what you're up to. That's what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to <laughs> let people know about these things. Because there are some amazing solutions out there, as we've discovered. And you've come up with quite a lot of them, many different things. Now, the desalination idea, is that the case where I can just go take ocean water and get from that drinking water or does it have to be slightly less salinated? 
Than well, that. you can every kind of uh, uh, salty water, even the ocean. But of course, uh, the efficiency rate would be a, li a little bit lower than uh, it would be with a less salty water. So um, this is the, the goal. We want to have uh, one technology to solve uh, every specific problem, but problems that, of course, are common. We don't have uh, just to, to have one technology that will solve just a particular 100 families problem and then uh, no one else would need it. But uh, um, uh, Aquasalina would be a technology for people who cannot use aqualus to treat the water. So there would be a, a complementary technologies. So how does this one work? What's the mechanism for the desalination product? Um, it's a bit similar to aqualus as it just requires the sun energy, but uh, aqualus is just the UV light. And in this kind of specific technology, we need... Uh, uh, not only the UV, but uh, more heat. We really need the water to heat up and then become gas, and then they will be separated with the, all the contamination that they, they have, uh, and also the salt, the salty, and goes to a different recipient and then become liquid again, and so the people can drink it. So it's distillation, I guess, basically? Yes, yes. The, the technical uh, name is solar dis dis distillation. And how many liters per day can you do well, with this one? It depends on the how much contaminated and how salty the water is. But our goal is to have an uh, um, average of 5 to 10 liters per day. 5 to 10. Okay, so basically the same. Yes. That's amazing. Uh, yes. So how have you just been figuring out which products to do next? Because Are you just going down a list and you're just checking them off? You're saying, okay, that's a problem, that's a problem, that's a problem, that's a problem, just fixing <laughs> them all one at a time? Because, again, you've done a handful of things, any one of which is impressive, but all of them together is even more impressive. So how have you moved on to the next project? Well, usually is um, the demand that uh, we have in the, the fields every every time that we usually who uh, who give us this kind of challenges are huge companies that operates in those communities so they came to us and say well we have this community with this and this this kind of sanitation problem and then we see well we have this technology in our portfolio do they solve this problem if yes, okay, we implement what we have. If no, we try to, to see what uh, exists in the world, if uh, it fits the needs or if we need to adapt or to invent or modify some kind of thing to make um, the problem, uh, the, to make the technology really solve this kind of problem. Um, I'm getting a little worried over there. It's been awfully quiet for a very long time. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, still zero, zero. <laughs> still zero, zero. Sheesh. What is the world coming to? Who wants to think about things like water and sanitation when there's football? Right? <laughs> yeah. Especially with what a great reputation FIFA has. <coughs> I'm sorry. <coughs> sorry, I thought I, I just got a little sick there. Uh so, okay, so you've got all of these technologies. What is the source you've called yourself or I've seen that you're a social entrepreneur, which is my favorite kind of entrepreneur, an entrepreneur who's trying to do something other than just make money for the sake of making money. Um, what is the fee structure? What is the business model? Where does the money come from? Who's paying for these devices? How does it work? Oh, it's the same who is presenting us the problems, the companies. Usually are okay. really big companies, sometimes multinationals, who are operating in those rural areas. Uh, the main kind of clients we have are in the um, renewable energy sector. So they have a kind of operation in, on, on the rural areas and the nearby communities uh, has some kind of water sanitation problems. And then... Or we approach them to, uh, to see if they are interested in solving this kind of problem for the community. Or they approach us and 
ask us if we have some kind of technology to solve the problem in the community. Usually they have, uh, they invest money to, um, to make the community a little bit more developed and to solve the main problems that they have. So is the idea then that the individual families and end users, that they don't pay for this, it's given to them for free? Yeah, we know that uh, in some countries, uh, even in, in Africa, there is some models that uh, the beneficiary pays for the technology. But here we haven't had any successful case trying to, to do this. Uh, usually there is a cultural um, uh, understanding for this community that uh, someone needs to give them access to water and sanitation that uh, if they would pay for something would be for a smartphone or internet wouldn't be for access to water, uh, fortunately. And um, uh, usually the are a very um, vulnerable communities we work. Uh, usually they really don't have much money. So the technology would be very, um, very, uh, expensive for them. Right. And do you believe, I'm sure the answer is yes, but do you believe that all of this should be a fundamental basic human right? Yes, definitely. That was uh, what made me very angry in the first place when I was 15 years old. Uh, the story behind uh, how I started working with water was reading a book, a Brazilian book for the, of the uh, almost 100 years ago. And this book uh, uh, tells a story of a family that uh, lives in the, uh, the same area of Brazil without access to water and sanitation. And then they, uh, I, I start to search about this region, the problem here in, in, in my country, and I see that uh, the same thing was still happen, even a hundred years after. The problem was still the same. Almost nothing has improved so far. And it's still the numbers are still the same. When I started to work in the sector, uh, we had uh, uh, 100 million people without access of, uh, I, I'm tr I, I guess I, I said the number wrong. <laughs> it's 100,000 million, no, it's, a, it's 100 million, right? A hundred million people. A hundred million is a number. <laughs> yeah, a hundred thousand <laughs> million would be more. That would be a hundred billion. Oh, it's a hundred million. more than there are people. A <laughs> hundred is world almost half now. of the Brazilian population without access to almost safe uh, sanitation. So unbelievable. Uh, almost yeah. half. Gosh, that's a lot. So, what's more important? Because I honestly don't know. What's more important if if I get my third Lamborghini? <laughs> or somebody else, say 5,000 people have access to clean water? Because I honestly, I don't know. What's more important <laughs> in your opinion? <laughs> Definitely the access to water. Because uh, the... the I, I like I, Lamborghinis. <laughs> I like them a lot. They're I guess, very fun. I guess I, I, I will have a lot of difficulties trying to... Um, to explain how water and sanitation is really important. Because uh, when I started to work in this field, uh, I didn't uh, understand very much. And after I see the numbers, you know, after we, we understand the data behind and we see those data really happen in our face, we could see that water is really much more important than we realize. Uh, we could understand how uh, when the, the family has access to water, the, the kids' grades at school become better, and we can see that those, those kids have a brighter future because of this. We can see the parents that uh, sometimes they need to skip work to take care of the kids because they are sick or because of the water. Uh, they need to... Uh, go to a hospital with uh, a very a very bad hospital very far from their house and that's spend money because they don't have cars or motorcycle or Lamborghinis <laughs> so it's ah. very expensive for them to go to the hospital and then need to um, buy medicines to treat the kids 
And so it's a lot of money that could be reinvested in a lot of other things that are important for them if uh, they just have access to water. So by just giving access to water to them, we can have a lot of different situations for those families. That's incredible. So when it comes to these companies, these renewable energy companies, or the people who are investing in these communities, why do you think that they're doing that? Well, sometimes they are obligated by law. Sometimes they need to have a good relationship with the communities, otherwise the communities kind of block their work and they would spend much more money not working that than working and give some part of the money to the communities. And some because they want to have uh, a ESG uh, strategy. Uh, they want to, to show to the world that they are doing good for the society. Yeah. So do you think it's mostly about appearances or a <laughs> genuine desire to help? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that's true. Really, really true. And we can see this by when we present the projects, we see that they want to, to pay as low as possible and impact uh, as much people as possible because they care more about the number they will show in the sustainability report than what they are really doing for the community. Well, you mentioned at the beginning of this that you personally feel like you'll be doing this for the rest of your life, which is awesome. Do you ever feel that you've chosen the wrong path or do you ever doubt your decision to follow this path? Um, no, I would say that sometimes I want to do more, like to, to work in other fields. But I, I feel, well, this, the, the problem of sanitation is hard enough. I can't uh, not focus on this in this time. Uh, so sometimes I, I became uh, sad because I can't, also work to solve different problems. I really need to focus on sanitation. Well, you, yeah, you've done six things. I don't think you're going to stop. <laughs> you haven't just stopped on one thing. I'm sure you'll come up with something else and just maybe all within a category of what somebody might need in a home. That's my <laughs> guess. You'll be like the, the Amazon of sanitation and water maybe every home would that be your dream would it be your dream that all of the the half of the brazilian population that each one of them has sanitation thanks to what you're doing that's yes that would be your goal yes definitely but at the same time i think that to to wait for me to solve me i i say the company because i don't i don't work alone i have a a whole uh team with uh amazing people working with me uh, but I, I see that if we would wait for SCW, that is the company, to solve the problem of Brazil and the world, it would take uh, um, a lot of years. Uh, but if we inspire more young people, more other startups to solve the sanitation problem, the uh, water problem in the Brazil and the rest of the world, it will be faster. So we really need to inspire more people to work and solve this problem with us. I completely agree. That's what we're here for. I have another question for you. What's more important, sanitation and water, boring things that nobody cares about, or cryptocurrencies? So exciting. Well, I, I, I almost work in a startup that was using cryptocurrency to solve the sanitation problem, uh, but uh, it didn't work out. Uh, but it was an amazing idea. Uh, so... I see a future where we can use both. We can use cryptocurrency to solve the sanitation problem. It would be amazing. You might have a future as a diplomat because I was joking. <laughs> you handled that brilliantly. <laughs> that was a very diplomatic answer. A lot of people who are crypto fans are saying, good job. Yes, yes, indeed. It could be part of the future if we're smart. Um, so do you have particular days where you feel like the challenges are too much? Do you ever get depressed or down? I mean, you mentioned you wanted to help more people, but do you ever have moments where it all feels hopeless or negative? Yeah, sometimes, mainly when we have a kind of a opportunity with a huge company or, say, a, a war, an amazing award that could help us impact more people, and we see that... Uh, the things are going to the wrong direction because of some uh, 
they think as uh, they think that we are too young uh, that we are not uh, uh, our technology are not good it doesn't uh, help more people or something more <laughs> negative uh, due to the company be founded by young women and uh, Brazilians and not some kind of uh, uh, old 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 guy who has experience like me? <laughs> no you're not uh, old no, I'm not old enough oh, that's, yeah, not old enough. that's the best thing I've ever heard from somebody from Gen Z that's the only uh, usually we're just boomers now, but yeah but uh, uh, sometimes it's really sad that uh, we really need to prove that we are uh, we can do what we are saying we can do that's uh, something that sometimes gives me depression. I need to look older yeah. than I am. I need to look uh, uh, a man, not a woman, to tell people that I, I, I'm doing something important and my business can be successful as well doing a social impact. Yeah. Well, for, to say that you've been doing anything seriously for 10 years at the age of 25 not many people can claim that. So I know it must be tough, and that is awful. That sucks. I'm very sorry to hear that, but I think your credibility will only grow, and I hope that this is just a temporary phase and that you're quickly on the other side of this and that the expansion can become much more rapid in the next five to ten years. Because if there's one thing that I've learned about life, you know, take this from somebody who, who's going to turn 37 this year, it's that... We somehow seem to get older. I don't know how it happens, but one day, one yeah. day you blink and you're not 25 anymore. <laughs> so as frustrating as it is, and I know that it's frustrating, enjoy this moment because you've done so much and you've done more than most people have done in a lifetime at any age to help the communities around them. So remember that if you don't hear it often enough. No, thank you so much. Yeah, definitely something that makes me still focus on what I'm doing and try to do as much as impact as possible. Do you think in a general sense that humanity is doomed? Is it hopeless? Sometimes I feel like, but uh, I, I'm seeing the youngest generation uh, with a different mind and... So of course, not everyone, but I would say that the, the youngest generation really um, seems to care more about sustainability and social impact the, than the other generations. And it seems like uh, the things will start to, to get better in the future. Well, I completely agree. And I hope that it starts with more people looking up to people such as yourself and recognizing that they can make a change. I mean, that's the whole point of doing this, is to show people that just regular people with an idea can make an impact if they just choose to do that. I think a lot of people believe that the solutions of the future will just come from someone else. Somebody else is going to develop a cure for cancer. Somebody else is going to develop a cure for AIDS. Somebody else is going to solve pollution, is going to solve carbon, is going to solve sanitation and water. But what we've seen over and over again on this show is that people who just decide to solve these problems often make incredible progress towards actually doing it. No, yeah, that's true. And I would add that uh, sometimes when we present a solution, they ask why, why anyone did this before? We hear that a lot. Yeah. YouTube comments, Instagram <laughs> comments. Yeah. Or people will say things like, that's such a simple idea. And you say, well, so <laughs> you know, if it's helping 15,000 people, then you do it. Then do yeah. it. If it's so easy, then just do it because we need more people doing this. Yeah. That's and that's true. the other thing that what I love about social entrepreneurship versus traditional entrepreneurship. And I've talked about this at length, but the idea of competition, if I want to make a sugary beverage, then I'm competing against Coca-Cola. I'm competing against Pepsi. They're competing against each other. They don't want each other to be in the space. I'm sure Pepsi wants Coca-Cola to just disappear forever. They'd be really, really happy if that happened. But in social entrepreneurship, like you said, if you do it by yourself without any competitors, it'll be very slow. 
But if there are more competitors than the end goal is achieved, which is sanitation for all, drinking water for all. So in the end, you would encourage competitors versus discourage them, right? Yes. And the good thing is we can learn by each other. We can uh, understand that uh, most part of the time uh, the technologies are complementary. They can solve different problems that right now we can't solve. Uh, they can seek uh, more investments and and make the our going common a reality. Because you wouldn't want somebody watching this, maybe even a young Brazilian or whoever might end up watching this, you wouldn't want them to think, oh, she's already doing that, so I should do something else. You would say, no, 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 come on, join me in this fight. Yes, yeah, definitely. Learn from my mistakes see what I've been doing wrong and right and do, do it for yourself. So cool. So if everything goes right, what do you realistically think the next five years might hold for you? Uh, I'm, sometimes it's hard for me to, to think about five years from now. It's easier from two. Our goal for two, 2024 sure, is to... Say, say two. <laughs> to achieve, we want to achieve a million people at, that is still it's a, a small number compared to the potential that we do, we really need to achieve but for from the perspective that we are right now it's a really big number it's almost impossible to to achieve and uh, i would say that we would have more technology we would have uh, more partners uh, to really have more people working with us and making this dream come true. That's amazing. Do you feel that you can scale the technology that you have to a million people in theory? Yeah, I, I would say not the technology, but the model, the business model that we have. Uh, we can improve to make it possible to have uh, much more people impacted in shorter times in shorter days and and then the one million people would be possible so if somebody called you tomorrow and they said i want to place an order for a million units what would you do we would call the partner to uh because we don't have our own producer uh, we don't have a industry we have a partner that produces the technology for us and we'll, we'll make this kind of demand for them that's awesome well, I think it's really, really likely that it's going to happen. I think you've got your heart and your head in the right place. Very exciting. I can't wait to watch what the future holds for you as we stay in touch in the next couple of years. I know it's going to be amazing, and you've received, like you said, some awards. You've received some accolades. I have a feeling that those will keep coming, but I can tell that you're not really driven by that, which is pretty outstanding. Do the awards mean anything to you at all, or is it just, eh, whatever? <laughs> yes, yes, the war means a lot for me. Uh, when I was a kid okay. and I I um, was seeing myself in the future as uh, an adult, I, I always uh, feel like, well, my goal is to do something really important, important enough that will make me win a Nobel Prize, <laughs> something like this. Yeah. And uh, I already won a prize that for me was almost like a Nobel Prize uh, for young people. It is the, the UN. UN award. Yes. Yeah. How this for cool me was. That? Yeah, is really really cool. <laughs> I will say that it was really important. It's not uh, because it's the UN prize, but everything that comes together, all the opportunities, the door that are open because you won a UN prize. Well, and stuff like that legitimizes you as well. So yeah. that more and more people will take you seriously. Because I just, I instinctively know it's sort of small now, but the doors are just going to open for you. I think the floodgates, I don't know when. Will it happen <laughs> next year? Will it happen in two years? I don't know. But I think, I think at some point, not too far from now, it will become exponential. And I think your impact will increase tremendously as more and more people become aware of what you're doing. Thank you so much. And definitely this uh, UN prize helped us, uh, us a lot. Uh, before the UN prize, we didn't have any impact at all. We just started operating the people, the companies just start believing in what we were saying all the time since 2000, 
13 was after the UN prize. So that's what it did. Well, then it was worth it. Then it sounds like it was a great thing. So as we wrap up the end of our hour, which is still scoreless, Brazil, what is happening? Yeah. No goals? It's already Come half on. time. It's half time. Oh, okay. So we're not going to hear anything. Well, that was uneventful. I was expecting some roars. Um, as we wrap up our time together, is there any parting piece of advice that you would like to give? Or is there anything that you want to promote or tell people to do? Now's the time. Well, I would ask uh, anyone who can uh, follow us on the Instagram, LinkedIn, um, saying something good, give some idea where we can uh where we can find more partners, more companies, more awards, any kind of thing that can help us impact more people. Our goal is to impact as many people uh, as possible in a shorter time as possible. So if you can help us any, any way, we'll be very happy to, uh, to receive your idea. So would you like to have three Lamborghinis yourself? <laughs> well, if I had, I would sell to buy more Aqualus and distribute for more families. <laughs> I love it. I knew you'd say that. <laughs> well, you're a very rare and special person, Anna. It's a, been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. I'm so grateful that you're out there doing your thing. I hope that I'm able to support you in some small way. I look forward to watching what's going to happen with you and with your project. Um, I also, uh, you know, one last question, Brazil versus U.S., who has a better football team? Well, if it was the, the women team, I would say the U.S., but okay. the men's team, Brazil. We're, we're kind of a joke, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, the, but... the, the uh, women's team are very amazing. Okay. <laughs> the women's team is amazing. Good. We're going to support them then. I agree. They are amazing. <laughs> Well, uh, thank you very much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, with that, the official podcast is over. 